This is Amateur Logic, episode 152, for January 15, 2021. This episode of Amateur Logic is brought to you by MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at mfjenterprises.com, and by ICOM. ICOM's IC705 gives hours of fun and enjoyment working your favorite bands. Happy 2021 from ICOM. Good evening. Welcome to another episode of Amateur Logic. I'm George. I'm Tommy. I'm Emil. And I'm Mike. And great to be back with you again tonight. We've got a, an interesting show, a fun show lined up tonight. Some good segments coming along the way here. I guess let's go over them first. Emil, what are you doing tonight? What I'm doing is going over the uh, part one, the parts of a lightning rig saver that our club's president decided to design and engineer and print some of the parts for me. So I'm going to go ahead and put that thing together and try to make it work and go through it with the, uh, the group here, see if we can't make any improvements and make it better. That's what's going on down here. Okay. Uh, that's, that's an interesting project. You've kind of shared some of the details, and, yeah, I, I like the way that looks. So, And the price seems right since he gave you the stuff, so how could you refuse that? Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Mike, what are you up to tonight? Well, I've got um, a, a little gadget that I, I've had for a bit now, and I haven't had an opportunity to play with it much. It's called the Adelm Pluto. Um, it's a SDR learning module from Analog Devices. That's cool. Yeah, then that is um, that's a pretty interesting device too. Once I learned what you were working with, I had to go look it up because I had forgotten what that was. And pretty nice, pretty nice. I, I didn't realize it went both ways. So. <laughs> It's it's pretty popular in Europe right now with the uh, geostationary satellite over Africa. Uh, a lot of folks are buying those and using them as as transceivers for uh, for not only voice but for also digital television as well. Yeah, neat device. Well, and tonight, you know, I mentioned on the last episode that for Christmas I got a nice present, a Raspberry Pi four hundred, and y'all. Y'all may be familiar with that one. That's the Raspberry Pi that's built in to a keyboard. Um, well, we'll we'll talk more about it in a little bit because it's been around a few months now, and I had seen them. I hadn't pulled the trigger and bought one though, and I'm lucky to have gotten this one for Christmas. 
we're going to go through what's in the box, and we're going to boot it up and get my first impressions of it. And a couple of neat things I noticed about it that I, I didn't know about previously. So you'll want to stay tuned for that, too. Well, what has been going on, Tommy? What have you been doing over there just slightly to my north? Well, <laughs> I really haven't been doing a whole lot of anything. I, I, I'm the slacker of the month this month, so I don't have a segment, as you can see, from the rounds we just made. Um, so I've just kind of been taking it easy. I've got a few things that I'm kind of working on for, for next month, but I guess I'll kind of wait and see how those pan out before I spill the beans on those. Yeah, well, you know, being a slacker is hard work, too, and somebody's got to do it every month. So I'm not sure who's... Well, Next month, but I, I, I thought I'd step up to the job this time. I'm, we're all glad you did. You know, I mean, step back from it. <laughs> Either way, uh, email. What's been going on down there? Hmm. You know, it's been pretty, pretty cold down here. So uh, we've been uh, we haven't gotten any snow I, I, like you guys got up your way, but it has been in the 30s and uh, nothing like Mike up there at the Heart Project gets. But we uh, <laughs> we definitely have our share of cold, so we've been dealing with that a lot around the house, covering up things and you know just trying to stay warm in the shack, running the heaters in there when necessary. <laughs> Don't want the uh, rigs to get cold. And Mike. <laughs> It looks like it has been cold enough up there for antenna work, obviously. By not your, not, not quite. Cold? No? <laughs> Although I've been uh, contemplating uh, doing some antenna work. I was I was thinking about my uh, off-center fed dipole the other day and kind of disappointed with all the 15-meter band openings. And uh, the off-center fed dipole, although it's a, a multi, uh, multi-band antenna, it, it does not load up on 15 meters at all. Yeah. So I was trying to think if there's any way I could uh, modify it or do something without having to to put up a totally separate antenna for 15 meters. Yeah, good point. Yeah, it, 15 meters is just well, where it sits frequency wise. You know, it's just it's not a multiple of any of the other bands, so uh, it, it's not going to. Well, you know. You know, the rig, you're running across it right there. So we'll be interested to see what you come up with on that. Is it cold enough to bring the moose in yet? I I haven't heard from the moose yet. Although uh, you folks down there are, are, well, I wouldn't say complaining, but uh, making note of the colder temperatures down there, um, we're actually experiencing higher than normal te- temperatures for this time of year. It's it's been hovering around the freezing mark or just below, and uh, normally this part of January it's it's probably another at least ten degrees colder than that. So we've been uh, we've been kind of lucky, and we haven't had any additional snowfall fall that like uh, in addition to what we got over the holidays. So um, it's it's pretty stable here. Um, actually, it's not too bad at all. Yeah, it's been pretty cold over here, hasn't it, Tommy? It has. It's been real cold for us. It's been, uh, I think the high was like 50 today, low 50s. That's frigid for here. Yeah, it's, it's supposed to be down close to freezing tonight, I think, like Emil said. You know, it's it has been, you know, below freezing here at night for 
a while now. Most nights, it's it's been getting down yeah. there. So, but you know, it, I guess it's that time of year. Well, I think email. You have the first post tonight. Before we do that, though, there's one important thing that we need to mention. That if you don't know about it, you could be what. Missing half the fun. Oh, you must you must be talking about the uh, Mitchellogic.tv chat room. Yep. <laughs> That's yep. it. So we're usually live when we're live streaming. We're, we've always got the chat going on, and we do our best to monitor it. I've got it going over here on my little iPad to the side. So you see me cut the eyes down there. That's what's going on. Yeah, but uh, it's a lively group in there tonight. And if you're watching the live stream and you're not in the chat room, like I said a while ago, you're missing half the fun. At yep. least half. Mm-hmm. Is it half full or half empty? <laughs> uh, yes. That's what I thought. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Emil, what have you got to share with us socially? <clears throat> Well, socially distanced from our uh, Facebook forum is a post from Michael Philbrick uh, on January 7th. He um, was asking about, uh, he said, a fellow ham is looking for the name of a three-pin power connector on an ICOM 502A rig, which is a six-meter transceiver. And I, I did some digging. And found uh, the ICOM Japan site has that manual uh, posted where you can go and get uh, the pinouts and everything. While they don't really have a name for it that I could find, they do have the pinouts. I'm, I'm not sure if he was trying to find one or make one, you know. But uh, they they list the specs. They show which wire goes to what, uh, what it expects, you know, voltage-wise. It's basically a 13.8 DC uh, connector there. And so ICOM definitely has that uh, pinout for that. And um, he basically passed that on. He said he passed it on to the ham. And um, let's see. What did he say here? Uh, hoping, yeah, he's hoping he'll be watching the uh the show tonight so if you are hi michael and hope this uh diagram helped you out from icom it's in that manual and it's it's posted on the facebook forum so if you ever had questions like that you know throw it out there because somebody somebody just might have one know what it is or can point you to the uh manuals online yeah it looks similar to um and i don't have one right here handy but you know, for years now, the connectors like go on uh, your computer, the power cable on it, uh, monitors, a lot of different gear has that one with the, you know, four little, not four, three little uh, sort of rectangle pins there. But nowadays, you're seeing some that are three pin. I don't know if it would fit that. I think that's a little too large. Well, he did. He did say they somebody tried something that looked close that 
goes into like uh, some of the little the little computer laptop adapters with the three pin kind of rounded. And mm-hmm. he said it did fit. The question is whether or not what's going into it, you, you might have to cut it up, chop it up and, you know, hook it to something DC for what the radio is expecting. Oh, yeah. I don't think I'd plug it in the wall. You know? <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> exactly. So that's why I went and found the, the manual from ICOM Japan. You know, you, you have to go through that one step to say I agree with everything, you can't go straight to it. That's, you know, you know how it is if you've ever mm-hmm. looked up an ICOM manual. Yeah. Well, Mike, why don't you set up your segment here? I know that this is, we're going to be hearing more about this in the future. It's going to end up being a multi-part deal because there's so much to cover there. But do you want to set it up for us? Sure, George. Um Again, it's uh, the Pluto uh, SDR or the Atom Pluto, uh, which is a, um, a learning uh, board from analog devices. But it's also uh, to do with uh, a, a really neat piece of software that allows you to, to connect the uh, Pluto 3D up to it and use it as a, um, as a spectrum analyzer. Um, and it even has a tracking generator in it. Um, and also, uh, you can use it as a signal generator. Um, I hope to do uh, more about it because I ran out of time and there just was so much to talk about in so little time. So we'll have a look. And this is basically just an introduction. Uh, but one of the cool things about the Atom Pluto is um, the, uh, the device that they use in there for the transceiver chip. Um, somebody discovered that if you fool the firmware into thinking it's another chip or similar chip uh, you can extend the range from uh, 325 megahertz uh, uh, up to uh, sorry three yeah 325 megahertz to 3.8 gigahertz is is what it comes with out of the box and if you do this really uh, really cool uh, mod which is basically just uh, setting a flag in the firmware to tell it it's a it's a different chip it extends it down to 70 megahertz and all the way up to 6 gigahertz. So let's let's have a look. This is the Atom Pluto software-defined radioactive learning module from Analog Devices. It's similar to other SDR devices with one distinction. It has the ability to transmit as well as receive. So what exactly is an Aldon Pluto? Well, it's a self-contained RF learning module based on the analog devices 809363. Out of the box, it has an RF coverage from 325 MHz to 3.8 GHz and up to 20 MHz of instantaneous bandwidth, a 12-bit ADC and DAC. The device has one transmitter and one receiver operating at full or half duplex. It's compatible with MATLAB, GNU Radio, C, C++, and C Sharp, as well as Python. It's USB 2.0 powered with a micro USB connector. You can find more about the Atom Pluto by going to the wiki. Before we get started, you'll need a computer with at least one USB 2.0 port, which can supply up to 500 milliamps of current. This can be a Linux, OS 10, or Windows computer. An appropriate antenna for the frequency that you are interested in, although an antenna is included with the purchase, it may not be appropriate for the frequency you're interested in, which is basically anything under 350 MHz. 
perhaps the most popular mod for the add-on Pluto is the extended range mod. Out of the box, it has a range of 350 MHz to 3.8 GHz. This can be easily extended to 70 MHz to 6 GHz just by setting the firmware to see the analog device's AD9363 transceiver chip as an AD9364. The simplest way to do this is by connecting it up to a computer running Satsagen once. The next popular mod involves replacing the plastic unshielded case with a metal one. Some have even attached a small ground wire grounding the outer shell of the USB connector to the chassis ground. Frequency stability has been an issue for some, especially those broadcasting digital television to the Oscar 100 satellite. The procedure involves changing out the stock 40 MHz TCXO, which has a stability of 25 parts per million for one that has better stability. For those looking for even more stability, many have disabled the internal clock and have added an SMA connector for use with an external frequency source such as a GPS discipline TCXO reference source. For those using the Atom Pluto for satellite work on the Oscar 100 satellite, many have added push to talk. I mentioned earlier that the standard frequency range is 325 MHz to 3.8 GHz, but with an easy firmware data entry, we can extend that range to 70 MHz to 6 GHz. There are other methods to do this, but the easiest is by connecting it up to a computer running Satsagen. Satsagen for SDR Devices by Alberto Ferreras, IU1KVL. Okay, let's get going. Download and install Satsagen from the link found in the show notes. Connect the out on Pluto with the included USB cable to your computer via the USB port. Note, if this is the first time connecting to this computer, the software driver should automatically load when you plug the unit in. Wait for the device is ready use message before proceeding further and then run Satagen. Satagen is a Windows application that allows you to use a SDR device as a tracking spectrum analyzer. Satagen works with the TX part of the Pluto SDR to provide a tracking generator with resolution up to 1024 points. The software can also use the Pluto SDR as a frequency generator with 1 kHz of resolution. Whoa, hold on there Tex. Don't be pushing that power button, we're not done yet. Press the power button and make sure it's off, then click the toolbar button, and then settings. The settings window should appear, and the SDR drop-down list box will be blank. Click the arrow and you should see your Pluto SDR device in the list. Select it, and click OK. At the first start, the application will perform on the device the frequency and bandwidth extension needed for the use of the 70 MHz to 6 GHz range, forcing the firmware to see the AD9363 transceiver as an AD9364. The extension of the frequency range is required for this application to work, but if you don't want it to happen, don't start Satagen. The following information will be displayed when you push the power button, but don't blink or you miss it. That's it. We're ready to go. How's that for a teaser? That, that's oh. exactly what that was, because I'm wanting more now. <laughs> yep. There's Wait. so much you can do with that little box. I mean, I, I'm, I'm waiting for someone to write software. Uh, you, could, you could easily use it for a, a, a vector network analyzer if somebody wrote the software for it, or you could use it 
um, although it'd be kind of overkill, you could use it for um, for a hotspot. Uh, yeah. Since it's capable of full full duplex, you could you could use it as a full duplex hotspot. Um, even even on the one point two uh, uh, megahertz, uh, one two one point two five uh, uh, megahertz uh, uh, two twenty band, uh, which I don't think any any devices out there can can operate on that band. All the ones I've seen are are basically two or or seventy centimeters. So, what is the price on that unit? Um, well, in Canadian buckaroos, it's, uh, it ran me just over 200, but I think in U.S. dollars, it's sitting around the 170 to 180 dollar mark. Okay. So, you know, it's, it's, I don't know if that falls within Kong compliant or not, but considering what the device is capable of and how versatile it is, um, I think that's a very reasonable price for, for what you get. And especially if you compare it to, uh, there's similar devices like uh, the uh, Hack RF, and I think it it retails way up there in hundreds of dollars. Um, yes, yeah, about. And there's 300. another one. Sorry. It's about three hundred. Is it three hundred? Yeah. So this is a little more than half the cost, I would think, of uh, of, of the Hack RF. And uh, also, there's another device called the Red Payeta. Um, and I haven't heard too much about that one lately, but I know it was very expensive when it came out. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't still, it still is. I saw one in an ad a couple of days ago. I'm not, I don't sure, I'm not sure that the HackRF goes up to six gigs. Did I hear you say six gigs? Yeah, when you do the uh, firmware update mod, um, it'll, it'll take the range up to six gigahertz. Yeah, okay. Okay. The Hack RF goes a little bit lower, but it only goes up to three, I believe. So if you had a pair of those and say maybe a, I don't know, maybe a couple of Raspberry Pi Zeros, maybe even an Arduino, could you make a pair of handy talkies? Uh, you could. As a matter of fact, um, <laughs> I, I stumbled on a YouTube video where someone did, did just that. He connected it up to a Raspberry Pi. Wrote some software, and I think he had it running on a little seven-inch touchscreen, um, and turned it into a um, a transceiver. Um, now, this is this is an important thing since we're talking about it. Um, for the same reason, you wouldn't hook up a power amplifier uh, to one of the hotspots. Uh, you wouldn't hook up a power amplifier to this either without proper filtering. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. All right. Well, cool. We're looking forward to... I missed this. Does it work with GNU Radio? It it does, yes. Oh, that's awesome. I haven't played with GNU Radio yet, but uh, it looks uh, intriguing. And it kind of reminds me of... I haven't used it, but it looks like block programming. Um, Yeah, yeah, it is. It's really cool. I I played around with it a little bit. I want to do some more with it. Um, But, yes, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm looking forward to more than just a taste too. I wanna, I wanna see some actual meat on the bones there when you get the thing going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I would love to do something, something live or at least uh, uh, a recording of it in action. Um, it's just um, a live demo would be kind of cool, um, especially if you had your Rigel at the ready. We could kind of um, do some. 
some comparison tests to see. Uh, one thing I should mention, the uh, Satsagen uh, program was written um, by uh, a ham in Italy, and uh, he's, uh, he's developing it um, on his own. As far as I know, he doesn't have anybody else helping him. Um, so the software itself is still, like, it's that version, uh, well, point, 0.4 came out in October. Um, so it's still in the early stages, but it looks, it looks pretty promising. Cool. Well, one, one more note on that before we move on to the next thing. Uh, I think it was Mike. KF5DEY says the hack RF goes up to 6 gigs. Yep. I, I didn't realize that. I was oh, okay. thinking it's up at 3. Yep. Okay. Thanks. Tommy, I think you have, what, a post? Is that what I've it got is? A, yeah, I've got a post. I think this was a Facebook post from my friend Joe Sarantino. I hope I didn't butcher that up. Uh, N2QOJ. He says, uh, are you using DroidStar? DroidStar is an Android app. It currently supports receive of DSTAR, DMR, Fusion, NXDN, P25. It transmits on all modes except DSTAR using software vocoding that is currently supported. DroidStar was created by Doug, AD8DP. Doug has created some other interesting things. Join our user group at groups.io slash g droid star. And share the experience and uh, check out Doug's other projects at Dudetronics. Uh, anyway, thanks, Joe, in 2QOJ. And, yeah, that's pretty cool. You can see on the screen right there. If you're a, uh Amateur Logic Soundcheck Net check-in and shooting for modes, that's a way to hit the jackpot right there, it looks like. And uh, I put it on my Samsung phone and played around with it. And it's it's an early release, and it does work uh Audio quality sometimes uh, needs has, lacks a little bit, but uh, and there are a few bugs in it. But it's coming along. It's pretty cool. It's got a, a lot of promise. You'll notice at the bottom of the list there, there's uh, two uh, kind of mystery modes M17 uh, that we uh, we talked about a, f- a few segments ago, and I, IAX, which which I'm really not all that familiar with, and maybe maybe somebody out there can can talk about it. I don't know if they've had any experience, but I th- I think it's a form of uh, sort of like Poxag, if I'm not mistaken, but I could be wrong. Don't go away, because we're going to be back in, in just a moment, and we're going to have a bite, to, to use Emil's terms there, of Raspberry Pi. Introducing Rig Pi 2, the first major upgrade to the original MFJ1234 or RigPi 1. Complete RigPi 2s come with pre-installed version 2.0 RigPi operating system using the latest Raspbian Buster operating system compatible with the Raspberry Pi 4B and 3B+. RigPi version 1 owners may upgrade their units by purchasing a micro SD card or download containing the version 2.0 RigPi operating system. New MFJ1234B RigPi 2 units include the latest Raspberry Pi Model 4B with 2GB of RAM and 32GB micro SD card. RigPi version 2 is jam-packed with features and comes with over 30 new features to excite the ham radio world. Here are just a few of the features of RigPi 2 OS. Remote CW keying over the internet. 
Support for over 27 new radios has been added. Control push-to-talk and frequency from a Contour Shuttle Express multimedia controller. Control PTT, power on-off, and relays with Flick Bluetooth remote switches. Support for changing antennas remotely with an Ameritron RCS-12 antenna switcher. Power amp control. For an added touch of functionality, connect a webcam to RigPi and watch your radio in the RigPi browser on your phone or tablet. On-screen sliders are included for adjusting AF gain, RF gain, power and mic level, and CW speed. Control eight on-off devices or relays with macros using a special cable, and much, much more. If you've been looking for the perfect way to operate your station remotely, learn more about the new MFJ1234B RigPi version 2. Visit MFJEnterprises.com today. A great device. So you have the update. Got the upgrade. I can't wait to put it on mine. I, I've said it before, and not just because they're sponsored, but I, I absolutely love that thing. I use it all the time. Yep. We're going to have to get Howard on here. Um, I need to contact him, see if maybe we can't get him on next month. Well, hopefully we can line up something with him quick. Because that thing is really... It's it's all always been a great piece of software, but it just keeps getting mm-hmm. better and better. It is feature packed. It is. Yeah. Speaking of feature packed, well, yeah, I don't know. There's, it, it's a Raspberry Pi four with some additions. I'll just put it that way. Let's look at the Raspberry Pi 400. This year for Christmas, I received a nice gift here that's something I've seen around but had not really thought hard about buying one. It's the Raspberry Pi 400, the latest in the Raspberry Pi families of single-board computers. Actually, I think there's two boards in this one, but we can't see inside of it because it's sealed, and I don't want to tear it up. We're going to open it up right here, and I'm going to give you my impressions of it. I have played with it just a little bit, and not a tremendous amount yet. But we're going to look at a few things I have discovered about it. This is the unit right here. It's a Raspberry Pi inside a keyboard, which is pretty nice. On the bottom... You can see there's a vent here, and you can see some metal under there. There is no fan in this, like a regular Raspberry Pi 4. This one doesn't require a fan. It has a heat sink that runs the length of the case in there that manages to keep the heat off of it. Now, I actually ran this for several hours and felt around, and you could just barely tell it was on. So that heat sink is working well in there. On the rear, they've extended some of the ports from the Raspberry Pi. Uh, first off, you see the GPIO pins here, so you have access to all of those. Because of the way that it's located, though, if you're going to plug a hat or a shield or whatever you want to call it onto here, it may not fit just right, so you'll want to use a little ribbon cable extender to plug on a hat. Next up, we've got the micro SD card slot that holds the operating system. 
And this is a Raspberry Pi 400 personal computer kit. So it came with a 16-gigabyte version of the Noob's operating system. Of course, as with other Raspberry Pi 4s, it's got two HDMI outputs here. These use micro-HDMI connectors, so you will need a cable to connect that or an adapter to go to a regular HDMI monitor. Then we've got a USB-C port here that's used strictly to power the unit, two USB-3 ports, and a regular old USB, I believe that is a 2 port right there, and the Ethernet jack. So you can connect to a wired network, or, of course, it's got Wi-Fi built in as well. And then this is just one of those little lock deals that you can add if you want to to tie a cable in there and secure your unit. Everything looks good there. There are a couple of things that I see that did not get extended out. The Raspberry Pi 4 has four USB ports on it, and we've only got three extended here. Not a, a really big deal there. Another thing I noticed, the audio connector is not extended. So you don't have analog audio output on this Raspberry Pi. You can get audio out through the HDMI. So if your monitor has speakers in it or it has an audio jack on it, you can get audio that way. And I tried that and it actually worked just fine. The unit has got some weight to it. I guess it's that heat sink in there, but it feels good. It doesn't want to slide around on the table bad, so that's a good thing as well. Let's just see what else is in the box here. We've got an official Raspberry Pi power adapter here with a USB-C cable. And this is a 3 amp, so that is plenty of power for the Raspberry Pi. We've got an official Raspberry Pi mouse. And this mouse looks sort of like the cheaper Microsoft mice. I wanted to not like it, but actually after I used it a little bit, I didn't have any issues with it. It, it seemed to operate just fine. The buttons feel firm. There's a short cable on it, but, I mean, that's enough because you're plugging it right into the keyboard. This one came with a 16-gigabyte SD card already in the back, but they shipped it with an adapter as well where you can plug that card into here, and it'll fit a regular SD card slot. There's a little more stuff in here. You're going to need one of these if you don't already have one. That is a micro HDMI to HDMI cable. And they include one there. And one other item in here, and this put a good bit of weight in the box as well. The official Raspberry Pi Beginner's Guide. It's got a lot of information here. I really have not even looked through this book yet. But 
general information to get started using a Raspberry Pi if you've never used one before. Uh, they show you how to use a Scratch programming language in there, how to use Python. Oh, some electronics in there as well. Uh, using a breadboard. A sense hat. A lot of good information on there if you're new to the Raspberry Pi. I'll have to give this a look and see if there's anything in here that I need to know about. There probably is. I've been using Pies for several years now, and I've kind of become familiar with them. But there's probably some hidden treasures in here as well. And that's the fully updated version that includes the Raspberry Pi 400. Now, what does this cost? Well, the whole kit there sells for $100 in the U.S. Or you can just buy the Raspberry Pi 400 itself without all the accessories. I see them for $70. Now, these are a little bit hard to come by. I think they're getting out there more now. But for a while, you couldn't get one. And now they are there. So if you'd like one, well, let's just look at it a little deeper and get some impressions of it. Essentially, this came with everything we need except a monitor, but we do have the cable for it. So I'm going to grab a monitor and plug up to this, and let's see what we got. When we boot the unit up, it comes up about the same speed as a regular Raspberry Pi 4, and actually, you're not going to see a big performance difference. You may not notice one at all. I have not. Let's just go over the specs real quick. It's got a quad-core ARM V8 processor in it, 64-bit system on a chip. It's clocking it at 1.8 gigahertz on this unit. The normal Raspberry Pi 4 clocks it at 1.5. Beyond that, there's not really any difference here. A little increase in the clock speed, but as I say, I have not noticed it myself. Now, this unit does come with the 4 gigabytes of memory in it. That's very good. $100 for the whole kit. There is also a kit available that has the 8 gigabyte memory in it for $140, and it comes with two micro HDMI cables instead of just one. It's got dual band 2.4 and 5 gigahertz Wi-Fi in it, uh, Bluetooth 5 BLE built in, Gigabit Ethernet, we saw that. Uh, two USB 3 ports and one USB 2 port. It has the 40-pin header we were looking at. It can decode H.265 4K 60p, also H.264 1080p 60 or 1080p 30 encode. And it has OpenGL ES 3.0 graphics. I'm going to say, honestly, I was not impressed with the graphics performance on this or the regular Raspberry Pi 4. It may be good enough for a lot of people, but I was just not real impressed with either one of them. There is a little tearing in the video that I have noticed on some things. Not everything. Action. You know, when big objects move, I noticed a little issue there. So right off, I really wouldn't use a Raspberry Pi 4 or 400 
for a video playback server. You can do it, but I've just got to say, I was not really impressed with it. Now, you know, it's supposed to support 4K P60. I have not tried that. Now, what is the difference between this and a Raspberry Pi 4? Well, both of them have multiple memory configurations. You can purchase them in now. We're going to run down the prices here real quick and see if we could build one cheaper than we could buy one. $100 for the whole kit here. So we're going to try to make a kit from other pieces. A Raspberry Pi 4B 4GB memory costs $55. If you want the official Raspberry Pi keyboard, that's $20. The mouse is $925. You can get the video cable for three ninety five. Power supply eight bucks. We're not including a case in our estimate, but of course this does come with a case. Sixteen gigabyte SD card is going to cost you eight ninety five, or it varies depending on where you buy it. The Raspberry Pi official beginner's guide here that will run you twelve bucks, and I did see a little variance on the price of that as well, depending on where you got it. So without a case. And without a fan or heat sink, which you'll want with a Raspberry Pi 4, we're talking about $117.15 if we were trying to build a unit as close to this as we could, and we'd still need a heat sink, a fan, and a case. So price-wise, yeah, the price is okay on this. So let's talk about uh, a few of the things I have discovered with. First, let's just look at the keyboard. You know, it's not a huge keyboard. If you're not used to typing on a small keyboard, it will take some getting used to. The keys have short travel on them, not unlike many keyboards these days, but they do have a solid feel to them. And you you get just a little sound, a little feedback. You know, you can feel it click when you touch a key. So you know you've pressed it. That's that's good. I don't like soft keys that, that have no fill at all to them. So overall, the keyboard, oh, that would take a little getting used to because it is a small keyboard. Doesn't feel bad, though. So I'll give that a thumbs up. The mouse, like I say, I wanted to not like it, but don't really have any complaints. You know, it's got a solid feel to it. The scroll wheel here scrolls like you would expect. All the clicks have that feel to them as well, so you know you've clicked a button just by what it feels like. So, can't argue with that. As far as the operating system here, this is the same operating system, so there's no difference really between this and a Raspberry Pi 4 that I've noticed. There there might be something under there that's slightly different, but nothing major I've seen. So the biggest difference that I have noticed here, no audio output jack, so you don't have a headphone jack or a way to connect in a mini plug to get analog audio out. You're going to have to use a jack on your HDMI monitor, or I tried it. You can also use a Bluetooth speaker. It paired up. And work just well with this Altec Bluetooth speaker here. No problems with that. Or you can use an external USB dongle for sound. This is a sound blaster. I think this is a 
I don't know, an X5 or something. I've bought it several years ago. But it worked okay with it as well. So you're not locked into having no audio. There are ways to use audio with it. Now, because this is like, well, like a regular Raspberry Pi or so many computers that have the USB ports side by side, it's too wide to fit in there. If you've got anything else plugged in and you're going to want a mouse and you're going to want a power cable, so this won't really fit. You'll need to use a little adapter cable like this one right here just to extend that out of the way. You have to do that with a Raspberry Pi anyway. As I mentioned, the video felt a little jerky to me when big things moved on the screen. You may not notice that, but I did. Uh, Three-out power supply, that's good. For what you get, you couldn't really buy it any cheaper. And it does give you a form factor here that's got a Raspberry Pi and a keyboard all together. The kit comes with everything you need, minus a monitor, which is normal for any computer. One thing I almost forgot to mention that kind of impressed me about this, and it's not a major deal, but it's something you don't have on the regular Raspberry Pis. If you want to shut this down, you go to the menu, you issue a shutdown command, the unit shut down. Notice the power light is off here. A regular Raspberry Pi does not shut off when you use shutdown from the menu. Sure, it exits the operating system, but it's still sitting there powered up. You have to unplug your power cable from it. This one shut all the way down, and in honesty, it's probably in some kind of sleep mode. I don't know. But here's what's neat. I can avoid unplugging that power cable. I feel like we're not really wasting an electricity or anything here. And I don't have to unplug it and plug it back in to boot up. You can hold down this function key, and the F10 key has a little power symbol there. You press that. Look, it's booting back up. Now that I like. Oh, and one other thing, rather than just have the power LED come on, I've had it set to show activity. You can see it flickering with drive activity there. I like that. That lets me know when the computer is busy. As far as what it feels like when you're operating it, well, it's not operating as fast as, say, my, uh, my Intel i7 PC. But it's not bad, you know. With this processor and 4 gigs of RAM, you could actually use this as a desktop replacement. I don't think you'd be real disappointed with it. So for general computer stuff like, say, web browsing, uh, some minor document editing, stuff like that, it would work fine. Of course, you can do programming with this as well. You've got the GPIO port, so you can do your regular electronics hobbyist type of things. Essentially, it's a Raspberry Pi 4 and a in a neat form factor. I'll give it a thumbs up. There you go. My first impressions of the Raspberry Pi 400. My second impression, because I've played with it a good bit since I shot that video, I like it. I like it a lot. Have you opened it up yet? No. Uh, 
But I've put it to the floorboard a few times, and, you know, it did perform pretty well. Cool. Uh, I've, I've actually got it sitting up beside my regular desktop, plugged into a monitor. And I find myself using this more and more. It's actually the performance is is pretty decent. Uh, as I said, you know, it's it's not an i7, but it's it's very usable. You you wouldn't yeah. be disappointed with it if you wanted to use this for just a general purpose computer to browse and and do typical things. It it runs just fine. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about my four back here. Yeah, it's plenty. It's really plenty fast enough for most what most people do. Well, it is a four, uh, uh-huh. but being in this form factor, man, I can't tell you how how that really uh, feels unless you try it. Because all you need is that plug in the mouse and a monitor, and you're off to the races. I mean, you don't have two or three pieces of stuff sitting around on the desk all plugged together it's just it's just that's it you know let's yeah, go ahead and talk friend to friend here because uh i've known you for a long time probably about <laughs> 30 years actually close to it and uh, you know you're going to open that thing up and run that audio cable <laughs> out of there it's just a matter of time well i'm not sure you know it's the board in it is different i believe so I'm not sure if there's a way to do that or not. I did notice a few things different now looking in setup. There I don't are... believe you, George. Pardon me? <laughs> <laughs> and we took a survey in the chat room. Avoid that warranty. Yeah. As, <laughs> as soon as email sends me one, I will open that one right up. <laughs> now, I haven't had any need to open it. I've seen them, you know, on the Internet where people did open them up. But I uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm really impressed. For you. I didn't know that I was going to like it that much. I was just thinking, yeah, it's, a, it's just another Raspberry Pi 4, and it is. But it's, I don't know, something about it I'm really liking. One other thing, and I mentioned in the firmware, I don't think you see this or in the, um, the setup, I don't think you see this on a regular Raspberry Pi 4. It it knows the difference, the operating system does, between these devices. Uh, the temperature menu, you know, you can put up on your taskbar so you can see the CPU temperature. Mm-hmm. That's You don't find that uh, menu choice on this one. I don't think you need it because it, it never really got warm. One thing I did notice that I have not noticed on any other Raspberry Pi, you know, this one does have a power LED on it, and that's nice, but you can set it for activity so that it's flashing, you know, when there's drive activity. You know, being an old-school computer guy, now, you know, that's that's the way I like it. I like to be able to look at my machine and say, are you busy now? You know, um, that, that's that been really cool about it as well. Mike, how does it feel to you? <laughs> it looks it looks great from here. Um, how do you think that would do uh, with a USB <laughs> webcam? If a student wanted to use one of those for a virtual meeting or, 
or a class. Do you think it would uh, have enough performance to do okay? I have not tried plugging one in. Uh, if it, you know, if it would work on a regular Raspberry Pi four, I don't see why it wouldn't on here. You know, this is clocked slightly higher. I don't know that you'll notice any difference there, but um, yeah, you could probably do that. I I suspect it would be probably better if you use the official Raspberry Pi camera because don't those plug straight into the board? So I'm th- yes, yes, yeah. they have a. Yeah. I don't know what they call a connector, but it's it's right into the bus. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking, and obviously that would be the way to go, but. They didn't extend that connector out on that on that uh, four hundred, did they? For a camera? Uh, no, it's not. It's not at the bottom. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I wouldn't expect that they would because I, I I would think those cables on the camera have to be kept very short. Yeah. Um. So I I don't know on that. They've essentially extended out all the other stuff except the audio jack. Uh, having the the I.O. port here, or the GPIO, that's that's pretty nice. I mean, I don't know how much I'm going to use that. I'll probably use that some. Did it come with a cover to protect it? No. Uh, well, when next next month, when you open it up and show us what's on the inside, then we can see <laughs> if you can plug it in. Yeah. <laughs> If you don't open that up, that's going to be the only thing in your shack over there that hasn't had the screws taken out. Well, <laughs> now, Tommy, you know that I generally I won't open up something until I've got an idea of, oh, they, it doesn't do this, and I need it to do this. <laughs> once Something will come up. Yeah, once I come across a mod, that's when I'll open it up. But it's it's coming, so yeah. stay tuned. <laughs> anyway, I've I've been happy with it. It's um, I didn't know, you know, what it was going to be like until I actually got it, and the form factor I I do like, and like I said, the price. It would cost you seventeen dollars more if you were buying individual pieces to build one of these, and you still wouldn't have a fan and a heat sink or a case. So it price wise, yeah, it's. It's okay. Um, yeah, and it, I like it because it's. I guess there's no fan in there, right? It's just a big no, heat sink. Just a heat sink, yeah. and like I so, say, so I don't. That's one thing I don't like about mine. Is I have to run that fan yeah. on it. Although it's kind of quiet, I can still hear it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't. I just barely felt any heat at all on it. So. Um, cool. Yeah. I have to ask because mm-hmm. it was staring at me in the face when you were running your demo. What's the Raspberry Pi button for? Does it have a dedicated use, or is it uh, dependent on the operating system you're running on? Uh, it works just like uh, the Windows key on okay. another keyboard. You tap it, and you know the the menu will pop up. Nice. Uh, and it may have some other functions, like you hold it and press certain keystrokes. I don't know. I I. Um, I just haven't looked at that, but I assume it would be the same as it would, you know, on any other Raspberry Pi four. It's pretty much, it's pretty much the same, but there are a few things that are a little bit different. I guess you won't know until you open it up. Uh, like I said, I've already put it to the floorboard, you know, and it it worked okay. Oh, you mean take the screws out of it? Okay. All right. Okay. Well, 
People in the chat room, we're trying, but he's he's not he's not budging. I don't have not a reason. Yet. As soon as I've got a good reason that there's something I think the Raspberry Pi Foundation left out, I'll be all over that, you know. Maybe maybe well, the guy on the line that. putting that together left a twenty in there for you. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not even sure where they put it together. I don't know yeah. if that was uh, if that, that was, was made I mean, in UK that, or that was bound to happen. That that form factor was bound to happen. People were already starting to make laptops out of them and everything oh, yeah. else. So the, the the two genres of people, one using them as microcontrollers, both uh, versus the people using them as little computers, you know that that form factor was bound to happen. Yeah, I suspect- well, yeah, people there people have already actually done that. Pretty much that exact thing with a regular Pi. Put it in a keyboard, mm-hmm. just a keyboard only with a Pi in it. So yeah, it was well, it's getting back thing. to its roots uh, because it was built based on the old uh, BBC Micro, and it was an all-in-one. Yeah, I mean, you remember your Commodore sixty-four or your Tandy Color Computer, or any of those? It kind of feels like that in a way. But chiclet keys. <laughs> uh, pardon me. Chiclet keys they used to refer to the mass? Yeah, no, they're they're not true chiclets, but they they do have a little feel and a little little bit of click to them. <laughs> well, I've got an email here. This um this came from over across the pond. Fred G1SCY said, Hi George, happy new year. I'm looking for a bigger display for my FT-857D, and I was interested in your display you put together for your 857. Can you confirm the software sketches um, you used? Thanks. And, uh, yeah, Fred, I, uh, I've got it here on the bottom. I emailed him back. There's the link where you can download the software, and that was Back in December of 2017, Amateur Logic episode 112. And you know, that project still looks exactly like it does right there in that picture because I still have not put it in the case (laughs) and permanently mounted it. But I haven't torn it apart either. So it's it's an Arduino Mega along with um, LCD color display there. And it really did. It made that rig feel a lot different to have that bigger display and and some color graphics. Um, I, I'm still kind of proud of that project. Apparently not proud enough to put it in a case yet, but I'm going to. It's, <laughs> it's coming. Next up tonight... Uh, let's see, where are we going? Oh, we're going to talk about email and this lightning saver. Is that kind of like a Ben Franklin thing? It Well, it's the opposite. I guess if you want to go the Ben Franklin route, this will save your rig. Not necessarily you, but your rig from it. And um, again, our club's president, uh, K5OZ, uh, did the engineering work, the... Um, uh, the, the testing, the initial beta stuff, he's got his working, and it is working. And he decided, uh, I gave him a little bit of money and to buy the, um, what do you call it, the filament for his 3D printer. 
so he could print me out a box, uh, the main assembly, for something that'll save your rig um, from weather and uh, before it gets there, and it's automated. So take a look at this. It's uh, something I'm going to try to build and make work in the name of maybe giving them back some improvements and having one for myself. Hello, George, Tommy, Mike, Amateur Logic viewers. In this episode, I'm going to talk about a lightning rig saver unit that our club's president, K5OZ, designed and built for himself and also gave me or uh, uh, yeah, give me some of the parts so that I could build my own version of it and see if we can't come up with any um, uh, improvements or just ideas uh, and make it work better if, if not uh, just have one for my own. Here you can see the major parts in an isometric drawing he made of the outer box, inner box, uh, the motor with the uh, coupler and nylon rod an electronics box and some uh, switches with magnetic uh, disconnect uh, limit switches as well. So, uh, you know, this drawing just gives you a pretty good overview of all the pieces, parts, and its or major parts. My lovely assistant here is demonstrating the three major parts inner box, outer box, and electronics box that were uh, 3D printed from uh, Dave for me. There's quite an extensive parts list for this uh, build and uh, Dave has provided that in the uh, presentation and the of course besides the 3D printed boxes these are all the parts that are involved uh, notably the Pi Zero and uh, switches and UHF connectors and some jacks uh, lots of screws and uh, magnets and um, many other parts here um, that, that we'll get familiar with as we go through the project. Here is a high level view of the parts needed and uh, the stuff at the bottom left there for the pie is things that we did use to set up the pie not necessarily needed. Going into a little bit more detail here we have the some screws, the magnet, we have some limit switches, and some RF connectors kind of kind of fit together, crimp together. And we have some circuit boards and some electronics connectors or components and connectors, switches, screws and some under the nylon thread with its coupler and the high torque motor along with the Raspberry Pi and all of its accessories it did come with a 32 gig card here which you don't need that much but we that's what we got with it as, as far as software goes he's using node red from the on the Pi for uh, with some basic uh, flows that are checking for uh, internet connectivity as well as uh, weather status or storm status local to his area um, from an API, a weather uh, API. Uh, best part about it is, of course, it's free software and APIs as well. 
And whenever there's a thunderstorm within 25 miles of us, the GPS, it's going to open those four RF connectors up. Yeah. And uh, along with the grounds for the, you know, it's pretty neat. So I'm, I'm going to get that to work over here, see what it takes and uh, share it with the group here as I do it. Cool. We're going to be back in just a moment because we've got more to go yet. So don't go away. Happy 2021 from ICOM. ICOM's IC705 gives hours of fun and enjoyment working your favorite bands. The IC705 is a perfect sidekick for hams that like to enjoy what both the great indoors and outdoors have to offer. It's the perfect QRP companion. Base station features and functionalities at the tips of your fingers in a portable package covering HF 6 meters, 2 meters, and 70 centimeters. This compact rig weighs in at just over 2 pounds with RF direct sampling for most of the HF band and IF sampling for frequencies above 25 MHz, 4.3-inch color touchscreen with live band scope and waterfall, 5 watts with the BP272 battery pack, or 10 watts with external 13.8-volt DC, single-sideband CW, AM, FM, as well as full D-Star functions, micro-USB connector, Bluetooth, and wireless LAN. Integrated GPS with antenna and GPS logger, micro SD card slot, HM243 speaker microphone, and it supports QRP and QRPP operations. The perfect accessory for the IC705 is the now available optional LC192 backpack with a special compartment for your IC705 and room for accessories for soda activations or a day in the park. Other available accessories include the AL705 QRP portable magnetic antenna, BP272 standard battery pack, or BP307 lithium-ion battery pack, micro-USB to micro-USB cable, USB Type-C to micro-USB cable, DC power cable, compact lapel PTT microphone with earphone, MBF705 desktop tray. And coming soon, the AH705 antenna tuner. Visit icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information on all the great ICOM radios. Tommy, I know you've got an IC705. Are you putting any hours on it? I haven't got to use it too much here lately. I, I have uh, up until the last week or so. But uh, looking at those lists of accessories there, I think I need to go ahead, or I want to go ahead and break down and get the... Uh, backpack up i think they're in stock now when i first got my radio they you couldn't get them yeah and uh, so i think i need to go order that backpack i'm pretty excited about the little antenna tuner as well yeah that's going to be a, a neat accessory too of course at that power you're better off not using a tuner and just using resonant antennas but you know mm-hmm. there's going to be sometimes you might you might want a tuner so yeah yeah but uh, it's it's been a great radio it's probably if i if I had to get rid of all of them and keep one radio, that would be the one that I kept, I think, out of all of them. Well, yeah, it's got everything on it. Mm-hmm. But luckily, I don't have to get rid of any of them. Well, that's even better. <laughs> <laughs> Although, email is taking handouts if you want to give away any. 
<laughs> He'll always take a free one, I think. I will, too. I think I'm going to hang on to the ones I got. Pretty yeah. happy with them. Yep. Can't blame you for that. Well, Mike, you had something you wanted to mention tonight, an activity that's coming up here soon. Yeah, it's that time again. It's time for the January VHF contest. And uh, the idea behind this contest is uh, collect as many grid squares as you can. And uh, using authorized frequencies above 50 megahertz. And that's open to uh, U.S. and Canadian uh, hams. Um, I'm not sure why they put and their possessions next to Canada. I would think... I would think that the uh, territories in the U.S. would be included in that as well, right? Or maybe it's both. <laughs> anyway, um, so it's uh, it's actually starting this weekend, and it's uh, going from January 16th to the 18th. And it begins at uh, 1900 UTC Saturday and ends on uh, 0359 UTC on Monday. Well, there you go. That sounds like a fun time this weekend, Tommy. You need to get our IC9700 on the air. I got it, I got it right here. Yep. Ready to go. Perfect. Yep. 100 watts on VHF. You, you can be king. <laughs> yeah. That'd be nice. Yep. I'll have to try that. And I think you had, uh, I don't know, was it an email? Oh no! It wasn't email. It's actually it's actually a new thing we've got. I set us up a groups on MeWe now. A lot of people have been going to there, kind of moving over to it from some of the other social medias. So while we're still on the other ones, we have a presence on MeWe now. And I believe this was actually the very first post from someone other than one of us in the Amateur Logic group, and it was from Amanda K1DDN. It's a uh, a news release, and unfortunately, it's a little bit of bad news um, from uh, Hamvention 2021 cancellation notice, actually. Unfortunately, several setbacks in the recovery from COVID-19 pandemic make necessary the difficult decision to cancel Hamvention 2021. Hundreds of volunteers have been working to do everything necessary to bring this Hamvention to the many amateur radio enthusiasts and vendors who support the Dayton Hamvention. Vaccine distribution, both in the United States and around the world, is lagging behind what was planned. In addition, the emergence of a more communicable form of the COVID-19 virus increases the potential for further public health problems in the next few months. We make this difficult decision for the safety of our guests and vendors. Those who had their tickets deferred last year will be deferred again. Stay tuned. For information about a QSO party for Hamvention Weekend, we'll be back next year. And uh, while it's uh, un- unfortunate, uh, certainly understandable, and I think it's my opinion, it's the right call. Um, you know, people's safety is is more important. Um, but uh, it's a little bit disappointing. But uh, it'll come back around. Hope by next year, surely it should be back by then. Yeah, I mean, I'll have to agree with the decision. I think it was the right one. It's unfortunate. I know a lot of people are bummed out by it. But, you know, um, I I don't know what else you could really do uh, safely. There's going to be some ham fest. 
before this year is out. I think I think we can count on that for sure. And yeah. it's just going to be a while. Yeah, if you notice that uh, picture you had up there, the uh, de- the countdown was uh, 70 weeks and something. So. Yeah. And, of course, that was a few days ago when I put that picture together. But Yep. Did you know what the second most popular item on MeWe is? What? <laughs> a, a posting about a stuck tank. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I saw that. <laughs> it was stuck. It was stuck real well. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you're not going to put a piece of wood under that to get that one out. <laughs> so, I was trying to figure out um, one one of the uh, military guys was was having a look look I don't know what he was inspecting the tread or something or but it, it was you know it was buried pretty deep. I don't know what he was looking at other than mud. How did the keyboard feel to you, Mike? And the speed? What did it you actually, think? It actually has a good feel to it. <laughs> yeah. I see you're just a, you're a keyboard geek. You, uh, you haven't touched that mouse yet. Well, it, it's a little too far for him. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, where is it? There it is. There it is. <laughs> Mike, all we can see is you're wearing red, but what are you wearing there tonight? I don't know if you can see it. It's 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 a little low, but it's the Amateur Logic swag um, that I received as a Christmas gift this year. That is long sleeves. Long sleeves for Canadian winters. Great. Uh, no wonder you're doing your show from outside tonight. <laughs> so I, yeah, it's almost swimming weather out here. <laughs> Mike, what if I decided that I needed one of those? What could I do? Well, you could go to the Amateur Logic TV Swag Shop at yes. shop.spreadshirt.com/slash/amateurlogic. And that's a different address than we've been saying because apparently they changed something at the site and the old address does not work now. So shop.spreadshirt.com slash amateur logic. And might I say, guys, those are some mighty stylish caps that you're wearing there as well. They are. I was noticing that myself. Yep. Email. There are no bite marks in that one, have you not been eating ribs? I was going to say that's the only ABC hat that he has, but it looks like maybe it's not. <laughs> no, that's it. This is the last one, and the other ones have been retired to the uh, pet cemetery, and the <laughs> the uh, uh, they might come back later. <laughs> but the um, I have not brought this one to uh winter field day yet george but i have a feeling when i eat some of the ribs they cook at winter field day uh this hat might be the next victim (laughs) and what date is that i think it's the the end of uh this like next weekend is it 20th yes it's like the 28th so last weekend of the month 29th let me see i'm going there to find out yeah, Glenn's in the chat room. I'm sure he's going to say it's it. It's the 30th. Yeah. Cool. Yes, I'm, I'm 
plan on trying to do something for that. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do something. We're not having a ham fest here either, what probably goes without saying. But that's normally the weekend of the Jackson ham fest. But yeah, uh, Mike's got a right. clean slate for that one, so I'm going to do something for Winterfield Day. Yeah. Uh, I've got an email from um, a local AWRL section manager this week. I think I shared it with you. Tommy maybe shared it with the mail as well. Most of the ham fest uh, in this part of the country for you know the next couple of months anyway look like they've been canceled. I think maybe there was one or two in there that had not been, but you know uh, that's just the way it is this year. So um, yeah, maybe maybe back. there's some hope for Huntsville still. Yeah. I'm almost tempted to reserve a room just so I can make sure I get one. Like yeah. last year, you can always mm-hmm. cancel it. Yep. Um, yeah, and Orlando is virtual this year as well. Uh, the Hamcation, I don't have the date in front of me here, but um, that that is going to be virtual as well. So, you know, there's still things you can do online, um, and it's going to be improving um, pretty soon here, I think. Well... That's all I've got here on my list tonight. Before we leave, though, let's just go around and see if anybody else has got anything on their list. What about you, Tommy? No, not too much. Uh, I'm on a, I wasn't aware about the uh, the event going on this weekend. Mike read about, so I'm gonna well, I may try to participate on that. I've got a long weekend from work, and uh, weather's not kind of cool outside, so it's a good uh, good weekend to stay in and play radio. Yep. Thank you. Right. Email. Yep. Um, so Glenn did just verify uh, Winter Field Day. That's what's on my list, January 30 and 31st. So we'll be out there uh, in the fields. Uh, maybe not so much winter as most people would receive, but we'll be there nonetheless. Yep. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Mike, what about you? Well, George, this might be an opportunity. I got to issue a retraction. And, and this is uh, probably a good time to announce that we have a, a net that runs every Tuesday night. Yes. The Amateur Logic Soundcheck Net. And uh, this week's uh, NCSs will be uh, Jeff uh, K0JSC and Amanda K1DDN. And I think right. Amanda's in the chat room. She is. I've seen her in there tonight. There are so many ways you can connect to that net uh, for VHF net um, or, and I guess digital as well. I say VHF. I don't know what all the repeaters are on, if they're VHF or UHF. But uh, here locally, it's on a VHF repeater, W5PPB-R. But you can also connect with All-Star, D-Star, DMR, Brandmaster, DMR, TGIF, Hamsack Hotline, Yezu System, Fusion, Wires X, P25, NXDN, and I don't know. Who, who knows what's going to be next? You never know. No. And speaking of social media, as we did a few moments earlier, you can still get up with us throughout the month at the same locations. And if I hit the right button, you can 
you can still see us. Facebook.com slash groups slash Amateur Logic. Uh, we were on Twitter at Amateur Logic. And MeWe.com. Um, what is that? That's a new one. Amateur Logic TV. MeWe. Yep. And Mike. And groups, groups.io slash G slash Amateur Logic. Okay. So there you go. That's where you can catch up with us throughout the month and find out what's going on. And we always post in all of those when the next live stream will be and any time a show has been released. And MeWe and um, Facebook, you'll you'll get a little more information uh, throughout the month and posts from some of our friends there. And uh, I don't know, the MeWe thing is, has really grown pretty good this week. I mean, yeah, it's nowhere near the numbers as the other social media groups yet, but it's it is coming along faster than I thought it would. Yeah, it's been a steady, steady influx of people, and uh, it'll, it'll get there. Yep. And it's I kind of like it because it's sort of like uh, Facebook. I'm not a huge Facebook fan, but it's kind of like Facebook without the ads. Yeah. And stuff. So it's a little bit cleaner to me. And yeah, the and I was settings are better. Supposedly. I was kind of uh, looking for something that would ultimately replace uh, Google Plus, and uh, so far that's probably the closest thing. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. pretty good. If you don't own it, you should check it out. It's worth a try anyway. Yeah, and uh, uh, supposed to be privacy is better on there, and they're not harvesting and selling, you know, user profiles and content, any of that. So. Emil, Emil doesn't have that problem. They gave up on him a long time ago. Yeah, because <laughs> well, they know he doesn't spend any money. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Anything coming from Emil was going to be free anyway. So, yeah, how can they capitalize on that? Yeah, marketing free. Yeah. Also, if you want to know what's been going on in the shows, well, there's a good place to look that up because I had a question. Well, actually, this week on when we covered a particular topic, and I was scratching my head, and I asked Tommy, when was that? What did you say? I said, go check the wiki. Yep. Amateurlogic.tv forward slash wiki will get you there. So if you're looking for a certain segment, uh, go search in there, and good chance you'll find it. Yep, and try several different search terms on there if it doesn't turn up. On the first thing you type in to try to search for, try some other words because, uh, you know, could could be in there under uh, under some different text. Arnie, Arnie was just asking about that in the chat room, George. He was uh, asking me where I was going to post some of the uh, links and information about the uh, lightning saver. So that's the place to look there, Arnie. Check it out. Yeah, if you send yep. it to me, I'll put it on the, on the uh, wiki when I update it. Yep. Okay. Well, I think that's going to do it for tonight. Oh, what what did uh, what did I want to say before we leave? Well, I'm going to say join us at the end of the month for the next ham college. I don't know what the topic's going to be yet, but I can guarantee you it's going to have some tough questions on it. It's the extra <laughs> exam, so. 
Yeah. Uh, watch for the postings because of a work uh, thing. We may have to shift that a few days. Yeah. And around the 15th of February for the next Amateur Logic, we hope you enjoyed the show tonight. You know, those, I thought those were all good topics. I'm, I'm really happy with this, I got to say. You know, I didn't know if it was going to be worth the price, but yeah, it is. It, it's, it's really a fun box, so I've, I'm going to have something more on that in the future as I learn something else about it. In the meantime, I'm just going to enjoy it because, because I can. <laughs> and there you go. Uh, also, Mike's device there. I don't know that we'll talk between the U.S. and Canada on a pair of handy talkies made by those, but I'm sure there's going to be a lot of neat things in the future that we're going to learn about that. And email, we do want to see that antenna switch come along there and um, and see if you're willing to risk your rigs to test it, put it to the ultimate test. Okay. All right. All right. Well, thanks for being here tonight, everyone, and join us again next month. 7-3. 7-3. Okay, Arnie, I saw that comment. Amazing. The show started on time, and most of it had no problems. The host segments were very good. And looking forward to the follow-ups. Wow. There you go. He's calling us out. The uh, companion uh, piece of software to uh, Droid Store droid star is dude star for windows the, um, yeah the, so if you don't have an android device you can you can fire up uh dude star on your windows machine did you say the companion app to drugstore is that is that what you said <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that that isn't even close to what i said okay. is that, is that okay. what it sounded like